Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. I think it is an important opportunity to look back at the fight for equality that has happened. And maybe, you know, you don't want to go to a Pride event. Totally fine. Spend some time reading the history of Pride and where it came from and the struggle that is LGBTQ rights. The generation of queer people before us created and fought for a lot of the rights that we have, including the rights to have children and adopt if we wanted to do that. Get married. Get married. Take advantage of that one. No regrets. Hey, everyone. This is Meredith, and you are listening to a very special episode of the Afternoon Snack Podcast. This is our bigger, gayer episode of 2023. It's our annual Pride Month podcast, and we cover so much. Gosh, We talk about stereotypes, the current political landscape for the LGBTQ community in the U.S., Rosie O'Donnell, and we answer some of your questions. So it's a real doozy. But before we get into it, I want to call you to action and give you the opportunity to ask a question on our show or perhaps even suggest a podcast topic. And you can do that by rating and reviewing our podcast. It's that easy. You just rate, review, Send us a screenshot and then email it to us with your question or podcast topic request. You can email that to info at tacticmethod.com. So without further ado, the bigger, gayer episode. bigger, gayer episode, 2023 edition. Hey. Hey. You're going to start this one out with something? Yeah, I thought it would be fun. I found this Huff Post article, which is that the Huffington Post, but they just shorten their name to sound cooler? I believe or is that so. something different? I'm guessing it's the same. Okay, so I found a Huff Post, because I'm cool, article that's like the Worst and most hilarious ideas many have about the lesbian community. Lesbian stereotypes. Okay. So I thought it'd be fun to go through these and decide which ones are true and which ones aren't. For us, we can only speak for ourselves. We are only experts of ourselves. Yes. And many other things. (laughs) Okay. Number one. So you can just say yes or no if this applies to you. Oh, okay. And I might chime in as well. All right. All right. Lesbians hate men. (laughs) We're starting off with a bang. Like as a... Moving on. I think we know the answer to that one. In every lesbian couple, one has to be the man. Situational. My sister sent me this video yesterday and it was this woman in a kitchen and she was like yelling out for her husband to come help with something. And it clipped over to a video of a sloth crawling. And it was like, this is actual footage of my husband coming to help me with anything. And I thought that was really funny. I don't have a husband. Yeah, neither anymore, do I but. anymore. I actually shouldn't even be talking about this because I have no idea what men really are like. I mean, I know my dad, but I don't know. I don't really, I never really paid attention to what he was up to. I think men are like, I know a lot of great men. I work with really great men. I enjoy the relationships that I have with men. I know lots of good ones. I think as a group, Sometimes men are problematic. But so are women. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's... So it's to say, like, men and women have their issues. Okay. Okay. Lesbians just haven't been with the right guy yet. Ew. People believe this? Yeah, apparently. Okay, there's more. Pretty women can't possibly be lesbian. So, I mean, obviously that's not true. Incorrect. (laughs) Lesbians all dress like men. Also incorrect. Yeah, I wear female clothes at least once a month. This has got to be a list from like the 90s. It's actually not. It was written in 2013 and edited in 2016. So I'd love to know what those edits were. (laughs) Yeah. Lesbians don't wear lingerie. Uh, That's true. Yeah. The ones in France do. Femme lesbians are pretending to be lesbian. I mean, that goes back to like pretty lesbians can't possibly be lesbian but then that would insinuate that pretty is also femme which i don't think is true either no and also subjective because yeah, that's very like much so not necessarily what i think's pretty 
All butches have short hair and are overweight. Absolutely not true. I'm not overweight. Oh, but you would you identify as <laughs> no, a butch? No, I wouldn't. I'm a chapstick lesbian. Same. <laughs> All lesbians hate makeup, shaving, bras, and dresses. Let's see here. Hate bras, hate makeup, <laughs> love shaving, don't like dresses. Does that sum it up? It does. I like bras certain days. But not like a real bra. No. If we're talking sports bras, all four of them. <laughs> all lesbians like camping. <laughs> no. Okay. So <laughs> I don't, I haven't been camping in a really long time and we're actually going to the Gorge for Brandy Carlisle's music festival weekend. And the really the only option for accommodations at the Gorge is camping. And so it's going to be a whole lot of lesbians camping. I know. So we're really living into that stereotype. But no, Alex, there's like levels of camping at the gorge. Like you can tent camp. But I was like, look, I'm pretty sure Alex doesn't like camping. I'm not even sure I like camping anymore. I'm definitely not going to put us in a situation where we are camping in a tent for three nights. So I got us like a gold RV but we're renting an RV, so it's not really camping. It's like you're towing a home. But we are our we are camping this weekend. Oh, we are camping this weekend. Yeah. Hopefully In the back of rain. our truck. We got a like truck tent with like an inflatable mattress that goes in the bed. It's like pretty legit. It's just I'm not convinced that it's super waterproof. So it's really important that it doesn't rain. I'm sure it'll be waterproof. Okay. We'll see. It's $250. It better be. <laughs> okay. Lesbians drive SUVs like Subaru Outbacks and Jeep Wranglers. Meredith, have you owned a Subaru Outback? No. Have you owned a Jeep Wrangler? Yes. Okay. There's one for the Huff Post. Lesbians are all into sports. I mean, all of the lesbians that I know are into sports, so yes. <laughs> yeah. There might be a couple I follow on Instagram that aren't into sports. Yeah, that's not true. Like... You're right. They're not all into sports. That is a stereotype. We'll speak more about that later. Yeah, it happens to be the our circle of friends is athletic. Okay, this is the last bit. And it says here, finally, there are the insanity-inducing stereotypes that absolutely need to be kicked to the curb. The L Word television show is a real-world depiction of lesbian life. I wish. Don't we all? I really wish... Don't we all? It had its moments, for sure. Yeah, there are moments where you're like, okay, that happened. Yeah, mainly like the crazy fighting moments. <laughs> but the rest of it, you're like, I wish. Yeah, like the community, the coffee shop. Maybe in some communities, you have to remember you live in Calgary. Yeah. I don't think Calgary is necessarily no, a booming it's not. gay town. Okay, lesbians try to recruit straight women. No, absolutely not. I don't want... I mean, not that I can because I'm married now and have been not, I mean, I've been not single for a long time, but you don't want someone to be experimenting on you. That doesn't feel good. No. When I was a newly born lesbian, one of my friends who I met on Tinder, who ended up just being a friend of mine, and we, I, we played slow pitch together, told me that you have to watch out for bi girls because... And this isn't untrue. It's easier to be in a heterosexual relationship. So if you have the choice, and I know it's much more complicated than this, but this was her theory. If somebody has a choice between a man and a woman, it would be more likely that they would maybe choose a man. This was many years ago. It was like, it was right when I came out. It's like seven years ago. Mm. Yeah. I mean, from a societal standpoint, it would probably be easier to settle down with a man. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to worry about like where sperm comes from if you want to have a baby. Yeah. You have your own sperm bank. You don't need to like buy your own tools because he would presumably have them. And then like learn how to use them, yeah. Alex. Yeah. yeah. Um, he wouldn't make you learn how to use the tools because he is a man and he wants to do everything himself. There's a lot of pros. He wants to do everything himself incorrectly. <laughs> I don't need instructions. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Lesbians are no fun, angry, rude, and insensitive. Look, some of the most fun people I know are gay people. So just because I am all of those things does not mean all lesbians look, are. Look, Alex is just one of many. Yeah. Okay. Don't make stereotypes based on me. 
Also another one. Lesbians are all crazy and will stalk you and ruin your life. Not been my experience, but like I have heard some pretty crazy stories. Really? Yeah. You can share those later. Yeah. Was that, it wasn't me, was it? No. Okay. No. Lesbians were all tomboys as children. Anecdotally, that's true. Yeah. I mean, again, personal experience. Most of the ones who I know were and like very into sports and like boy things. But then again, that's my bias because that's always been my community of friends. Yeah. I have lots of straight friends who were also tomboys. So, I mean, presumably they're straight. Yeah. I was about (laughs) to say, just give it a couple of years. It's just a phase. Okay. Moving on. Yeah. Last one. And this one is just so cringe, stereotypical, not true. We all own stock in U-Haul and have our own personal U-Haul trucks ready and waiting. A lot of us have pickups. You just get a pickup truck with a hitch. Yeah. And then you can rent a trailer from anywhere. Yeah. You yeah. absolutely do not need to be involved in a completely other business. No. And I like Penske for what it's worth. I've rented from U-Haul and Penske and I like Penske. You look good in a moving truck. If I never have to drive another moving truck again, that will be okay. I hate them. They are so sketchy, so uncomfortable because the seat just sits straight up. And I'm not, I didn't like drive to Calgary. I didn't U-Haul. But you didn't U-Haul here. No, but we have. You shipped your stuff. I did. Yeah, I did it the bougie way. (laughs) All my things. And then when you moved into my apartment, we rolled all of your furniture. Like literally we rolled because I live two blocks away from you. We had a hand. We got a hand (laughs) truck and I'm pretty sure it had like kind of a flat tire. Like so one piece of furniture at a time. Right. Because remember, Alex wouldn't let me move into her apartment when I moved to Calgary to be with her. So one piece of furniture at a time. We like rolled two blocks down from one high-rise condo to her high-rise condo. That was back when we were poor because we were paying for two apartments, one each. Yeah. So live and learn. Not necessary. No. Well, that was fun. That was fun. Thanks. You're welcome. For that. That was a light way to get started. This year, we don't have like a specific agenda. To be honest, I don't even remember what we talked about on last year's episode. So I'm sure we're going to repeat ourselves. But who doesn't like hearing and talking about gay stuff this year feels different if i'm being honest i think just like the political climate is a bit different than last year it feels more charged there's definitely more especially in the trans space there's a lot more hate and legislation coming up that is like distinctly anti-trans and anti-lgbtq and so That's happening mostly in the U.S., but as is typical, that has the ripple effect of crossing the border into Canada. And even though the conservatives here are not as insane as they are in the U.S., like it still gives voice to bigotry and hate. And it's really impactful as a member of the gay community and the LGBTQ community to hear that said about other human beings because gay rights Trans rights, they're human rights. And we've worked really hard to have the rights that we have. And there are people who are systematically trying to strip those away. And all of that's happening against the backdrop of hate crimes, which are which disproportionately affect transgender people. The suicide rate is higher in that group of people and the LGBT community, like to begin with, across the board, but especially with trans. And so this year is while we're gonna, you know, have some fun with this episode, I think it's important to like call out what's going on right now, which is a problem. And I guess say to anyone who's listening who is in that community or in the LGBTQ community as a whole, we see you, we hear you, we love you, and keep fighting the good fight because it's a worthy fight. Yeah. I don't know who of you all out there watch Ted Lasso. We love that show. And not to get too far into it, there was an episode the other day, and I'm so sorry if I'm spoiling it. If you're not caught up, skip ahead like two minutes. But basically, one of the characters, one of the team players came out as gay. And everyone was kind of like, we don't care. Like, we don't care. And that was kind of, that's kind of like the overarching like if someone's accepting you it's we don't care we accept you for who you are like Like, that's what people say yeah and that's fine and that feels good it does because it's like oh okay no one cares like 
And I think, and then Ted Lasso, the character, the coach basically says like, hold up. Like, no, we do care. Like what you said, we see you and we're with you. We stand by you. We acknowledge that you're gay. It's not just something we're going to brush over because we know like it's just, it's more than just not caring. And I think that's the state that we're in. And it's not dissimilar to what we've talked about on the podcast in previous episodes with like Black Lives Matter. It's like, don't say you don't see color. That's not the way to go about this situation or any situation. Acknowledge it for what it is, because that's the only way that you can fight for these people. Yeah, because when you say you don't care, like what you probably mean is like, you know, I accept you and that's important. But yeah, yeah, I I don't mean like I don't care. Like, I don't care. I know. But it also does negate the struggle. It's not easy for people to come out. Even in 2023, it's not easy. And so not only like to be accepted, but to say, like, I stand with you. And right now, there are a lot of people who are just sitting down, especially in the U.S., where there's a lot of legislation in state houses and state senates trying to get passed and people are doing nothing. They're not calling their senators. They're not calling their representatives. They're sitting down and they're doing nothing and they're letting it happen. And these are people who maybe they know they're friends with gay people. Maybe they know someone who's trans. Like a lot of these people, if you were to ask them just straight up, like, do you support LGBTQ rights? They would say, yes, of course. And it's like, well, why don't you do anything? We're past the point where doing nothing is okay and effective. It's not working anymore. Because we're in a situation where identity politics and hate are causing real implications for people's lives and their rights. So, yeah, you should care. 100% you should care. You should care about the struggle. You should stand with the people who are in your life and, like, do something about it. Like, that's where we're at. And I hope in 2024, when we go through our next phase of elections in the U.S., like, I hope that Gen Z steps up. Because that's going to be like, there's going to be Gen Z's voting in mass. And it's like, look, enough with this. Enough. I hope that we get there in a couple of years because like it's already getting bad and we have another year to go. So anyways, end rant. I thought that was important to say. Yeah. And it's, you know, we're going to get to the part of this podcast where we answer people's questions. I put up in my story a couple of weeks ago that we were going to be recording this episode. And I said, what do you want to hear about? And there were a few people who asked about trans athletes in sport, which is really telling about what's getting attention right now. And the thing that I get most frustrated by with this topic is it's not impactful. It just, it isn't. The like percentage wise, there's like, there's 2% of trans people who compete in sports and an even smaller percent who compete at a high level. Like I don't have necessarily a well-developed opinion on the space. I just, I'm frustrated that it's getting talked about so much because it forces people who may otherwise hold very moderate and accepting positions for transgender people. Basically like, yeah, if you're trans, like live your life, be happy. It forces people like that into very dehumanizing conversations about the biological sex and gender of human beings. And that spills out. I think this is very calculated. I don't think this is an it's accident. Like, okay, your son is going to school with a kid who's trans. That's fine. Like, everything's going to be fine. They're not impacted. But what happens when that kid is competing against your daughter in a sport? That's what they're doing. And it's like, oh, okay, well, now she's impacted. Now my kid is impacted by this trans person because no one knows enough to say if it's fair or not. Well, and mostly it's a hypothetical situation. It is, because it's a very, very small percentage. But it forces people into debate over trans rights. Yeah. That's what happens. And it's because, like, politicians know that in the U.S. at least, like, sports are religion. Americans take sports participation, even at a very low level in youth sports, very seriously. And so it forces people into these dehumanizing conversations about humans and about situations that are hypothetical. What if, what if, what if, what if? That's the whole thing. And so then that starts to change the way that a person who may not normally give a shit about trans rights, it starts to change the way they think about these people. And they think, oh, well, I have to vote in this way to protect my kid who's going to play 
youth softball. Okay, funny story. It's not really funny, but it I guess it's very it's somewhat fitting here. When I was on, I swear it must have been a U10 or U12 soccer team. All girls. I had short hair at the time, looked like a boy, didn't hit puberty until I was like 17, and I was the best on the team. And I had to sign a piece of paper as a kid to say, because they didn't like, I don't even know where this paper came from. Apparently my parents weren't convincing enough that I was not a boy and that I was a girl. Are you kidding me? Not kidding. And like, if I can, I maybe should have asked my mom for the specific details, but that happened. And that wasn't the first time, like, because I looked so much like a boy growing up, I had short hair and was so athletic and was again, like I, I didn't, I legit didn't get my period till I was 15 or 16. I didn't look like a girl. And yeah, like I said, very good at sports. It was a problem many times in golf, in soccer. I don't think skiing, there was ever an issue, but it definitely was a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And it came up many times to the point where in grade seven, when I was, I guess it was 14, I started growing my hair out because it Mm. was just, I couldn't take it anymore. And great. And like you get to grade seven, that's uh, the, for us, it's junior high. That's when kids start getting really mean and they don't care if you're good at sports. They care if you fit in. And I didn't. So, yeah. You grew your hair to fit in. Yeah. Yeah. It must have been U10. So I must have been eight or nine at the time. Yeah. Wow. And it's like, you know, at that point, it's like, OK, well, that's a girl. Like she looks like a boy. OK, like she's really good at soccer. Like as a parent, like who cares? Your kid's seven, eight, nine, however yeah, old. And they like, suck. <laughs> like they're not gonna suck any less but it's like a whole hullabaloo and yeah. it's no less now yeah and now kids are yeah they want to be boys they want to be girls or different genders and it's going to be causing a ruckus yeah for the record i was just a really major tomboy i wasn't really necessarily confused about my gender i didn't even really think about gender back then no it wasn't no. really a thing that you had a choice on yeah it wasn't as openly discussed we'll yeah. talk more about gender identity later yeah that's really interesting. I don't think I knew that story. Or at least if you've told it, I had completely forgotten. Yeah, I hope I don't have the details completely wrong. I like experience these things and then I experience them over and over again because my mom tells stories a lot. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think I have the facts somewhat straight. But Right. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing with, I get it. Like, you want sports to be fair. You want a relatively even playing field. But I think if you want an even playing field, we need to be looking at a lot more than trans athletes and sports. And that's all I'll say about that. It's annoying given the very small percentages, low, low, super low, like looking at at an elite level, like like way less than 1%, way, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's minuscule. So why the outrage about that group of people and not a similar percentage of priests, cops, adults, teachers, politicians who are doing like actual legitimate harm to other humans like where's the outrage there like you have a former president who was just accused of sexual harassment charged logically like like, this makes no sense no it just doesn't and so it's you have to if you can step back if you can take your emotions out of it if you're someone who is emotional about this just step back and try to figure out why is everyone making this into such a big deal And then you start to see what's actually happening now, which is all of this chick chick legislation getting through and getting into state houses and state senates, like because they need a base level of outrage for representatives to vote in a way that passes law in the U.S. So, yeah, it's distracting, I think, from issues that are actually very important and impactful for all people, not just gay people. Like you should be ticked off that your representative and the politicians who represent you are spending so much time and effort on these issues and not on actual impactful issues that affect the way that you live your life. But I got off my soapbox about politics. I will add that's not to say that trans inclusion in sports isn't very important to a small percentage of people. It certainly is. Because it is important that they feel included and that they can compete and do what they love. On a macro scale, in society, it's very small. Yeah. We believe it can take away from the conversation that impacts more people. Yeah. And it impacts it negatively. Right. They're just spinning the narrative to be like there's this like hidden 
coalition of trans athletes who were just waiting in the wings to like break all female records and take over women's sports. And that's just not what's going on. It isn't. So anyways, we listened to an interesting podcast on the way home yesterday. So funny, Alex was like, oh, we're going to, we had to listen to this podcast. She was like, it's, this girl's an actual scientist. She has like a PhD. And in my head, I'm thinking like, that sounds kind of like the actress who played Amy in Big, Big Bang, Bang Theory. But like, instead of Alex saying like, yes, it's the actress who played Amy in Big Bang Theory. She has a podcast and it's amazing. She just was like, yeah, I think your name's like Miriam, me something. And I was like, I don't know. It sounds good. And so we're listening to that podcast and I'm like, man, her voice sounds so familiar. And so then I was like, hang on, is this Amy from the Big Bang Theory? And Alex was like, yeah. So I'm like, great, you could have led with that. So anyways, her name's Mayam Bialix. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm so sorry. I should have looked that up before the show. But her podcast is called The Breakdown. And she's really great. She talks about a lot of topics. But one of the episodes that we listened to yesterday on the way home was an interview with Rosie O'Donnell, who is someone, like, it's kind of funny. She talks about Rosie in the podcast and she's like, you're someone who is just kind of a fixture in many people's lives. Like you, you represent a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I'm like, yeah, like most of my adult life, I kind of just remember Rosie O'Donnell, like being around, like she's someone who was just kind of like there. Like I, I remember watching many things with Rosie O'Donnell. I really like her. And I didn't realize that she didn't come out publicly until 2001, which I think is nuts. Because yeah, she, so she's 61 now. Yeah. So she would have been 38. Yeah. And she said she's known she was gay her whole life. Like ever since she was 10 years old, she knew. And the story she told is hilarious, which is basically like she goes over to a friend's house and one of her friend's friends was there and she saw her and was like, I love this girl. And like. Then that's kind of how she knew, which thinking back, like I definitely, that's also how I knew. <laughs> so is it Mayim? Yes. Basically said, well, how did you know you were gay? Before she told that story, Rosie says, well, I grew up and I was just, I was always just really good at sports. I was very athletic. <laughs> <laughs> which is like... The line, right? I know. And Meredith and I look at each other because it's very true. It's like there is that stereotype. Yeah. We're athletic and we're gay. And like we know a lot of athletes that are gay. And so, but then Miriam basically was like, she pointed out that it's funny that that is kind of for our older generation of gays, that is kind of like the tell for a lot of us. But now it's not so much. Like you can be gay and you can be bad at sports. And I'm sure back in the day, there were a lot of people who were gay and weren't good at sports. And there are a lot of people who are good at sports who aren't gay. But it's funny, I think our generation and the generation above us, it is, you know, you're sporty, you're gay. Like I always thought Sporty Spice was gay. Is she I don't not? know. I don't know. <laughs> I got to look that up. No, but it's definitely, it's like a part of my story. Whenever people ask me that, well, how did you know? Or like, when did you feel like you might be? And it's like, I always include that. Like, well, I really like sports. Like, that's just something that I include in my story. And I'm like, is that me being crass and like stereotypical? It's just like. I think it is. I think it is too. So I really, uh, we got to stop doing that. I think that's that. also been validated because we do surround ourselves with athletes. And we're like, oh, so many of us are gay. I know. But again, that's like the core sample of our community. Whereas (laughs) if we were instead of athletes, let's say like artists, you might find that there are a lot of gay artists. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it was really funny. So Miriam's not gay. Rosie is. But they both are parents. Rosie has five adopted kids. And that was the reason she came out because she had to fight in a legal battle in order for gay people to be able to adopt. Yeah, so that, she, that was her coming out. She was like, I have to be involved in this. Mm-hmm. And that was around 2001. Yeah. She said that when she adopted her f- first kids, in order for gay people to adopt children, you would be immediately disqualified. And there was a question on the adoption application that said, like, are you or have you ever been in a gay relationship? And if you answer yes, you don't get to adopt kids. So basically all these gay people were just lying on the adoption forms, there was a network of social workers who they would work through, who would make sure that they got through the adoption process without a lot of speculation. But that was what came up, I guess, in 2001 in legislation. And she was part of that. And that was how she came out, was advocating for parental rights in the gay community, which is a very 
admirable way to do it. She actually kind of, I guess, came out earlier than that in an interview where one of the, I guess, the journalists was kind of speculating. She said a lot of people knew, they just didn't ask about it. And so this journalist was like, well, you know, are you dating anyone? And she said no. And then he asked, well, who can apply? And Rosie said, well, anyone can apply. And he said, well, could women apply? And she said, yes, women could apply. And so he was going to publish that. And then her publicist at the time contacted the journalist and had him like redact that part of the article because it was essentially Rosie coming out as gay. I think she said that was like late 80s, maybe. And then it wasn't until 2001 as a part of that litigation that she ended up coming out properly. Yeah. And then so it was interesting because they were both talking about their kids and what it's like now, the climate, I guess you could say. Based on what we heard in this podcast, you can't even like ask if someone's gay anymore. Not that we would never ask some, I would never have said like, hey, Meredith, are you gay? I mean, everyone knows our story. Yeah. If we had just asked each other, we would have, you know, cut out like a whole week of investigation on both of our parts. And yearning. Yeah. And social media stalking. Yeah. And so the yearning would be completely gone, which would be unfortunate, but it's okay. But apparently you can't be like, hey, is she gay? If you have a friend and you meet a friend through a friend, you can't be like, hey, is she gay? Apparently, that's like not okay anymore. You don't. We learned this yesterday. I know. I need to borrow someone's tweet. Apparently, you can't even think. You can't even think it. You're just supposed to like assume that they might be and be okay with that. And like, I'm guessing that if a girl wanted to ask another girl out, you just ask the girl out, and then they would say no, and then everyone just moves on. Yeah, doesn't start. And then you still don't know if they're gay. You just know that they're not interested in you. And that's really sweet it is yeah instead of it starting this like shit storm of rumors the way it used to when we were in school yeah yeah it was rosie talking about her 10 year old was you know she told her that her stuffed animals were non-binary and then rosie goes into this whole speech about how when she was young she really liked sports and da 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 and even though she was a tomboy she never questioned the fact that she was a female and yeah her 10 year old's like are you done <laughs> So I think there's a lot to learn from this younger generation. And legitimately, I'm interested in learning. So I'm like, we need to talk to a 13 year old. Yeah. Who has like friends who are non-binary. I know. How Um, is it now in high school? Yeah. So I was talking to one of my friends a while ago and she has a like a, a nine or 10 year old kid. And she was telling me how she has a girlfriend. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And kind of thanking me for like our visibility in the space and all of that. And I made mention of like, you know, coming out in reference to my story. And she was like, yeah, there is no coming out anymore. And like, that's just like, I was like, damn, where are all the good stories going to go? I know. But also like, you have to kind of be proud because we, and by we, I don't necessarily mean like you and me, even though I think we do good work. I don't know. You know, we've created that just like the generation of queer people before us created and fought for a lot of the rights that we have, including the rights to have children and adopt if we wanted to do that. Get married. Get married. We took advantage of that one. No regrets. (laughs) So I just think that's, it's like, don't ask or assume you just sort of, it's all a maybe. So, okay. My question is, can I wonder if my generation of people are gay, but I can't wonder about the younger people. Yeah. Well, it would be weird to wonder about younger people, Alex. I mean, I'm still curious. Yeah. But like, is does that apply to Gen Z? So or? do you identify, you still like identify as something, maybe some people would. Yeah. Or not. I don't know. I like legitimately, I don't know. We need to learn know. more. Yeah. If you have a, a kid who would be open to like coming on the podcast. Not necessarily that. <laughs> no. At like schooling us a little bit on how to be like new age gay that would be because I was listening to this podcast and I'm like oh my god like I am a gay dinosaur apparently <laughs> there's all this like learning that has occurred as a millennial and I thought I had it all figured out and I realized that I don't and it's you made mention of the Ted Lasso thing and I think we've talked about sex lies of college girls that show maybe we've talked about it on the show before great show highly recommend super it. good There's a a gay coming out scene in that show. In my millennial brain, this is how it works. 
because in so many movies and in so many shows, like a main character coming out as gay or being outed was like peak drama. That was like, you know, big deal and not in a good way. And in this show, one of the main characters is outed as gay. They built it up like it was going to be a big deal. And then it just like wasn't. People were like, oh, okay." It was actually similar to the Ted Lasso thing where there was a moment where like the friend, the dad was like upset. Yeah. And so you're like, ooh, they are mad. That person's gay. Mm -hmm. Like They don't accept them. But then it's really like they're just upset. That person didn't feel safe to tell them earlier. Right. Like the dad would like kind of made a scene because he was really upset about this daughter coming out, but he wasn't upset that the daughter was gay. He was upset that the daughter was like, well, I guess 20 and like didn't feel comfortable telling him until now. That was what was upsetting. And likewise for Ted Lasso. Yeah. Which is, I guess, understandable. But I thought the great part about Rosie's podcast was that she basically went on to say like, you know, she doesn't have a great understanding of you know, non-binary and gender identity. And she can accept that she doesn't have that understanding, but still be accepting of people. Yeah, she didn't make a big deal, but it's like if someone says, if they are maybe biologically female and they maybe look more female, but they identify as male, she might not know what to say, but that doesn't mean that she's not accepting or okay with it. Yeah. And I think that's a good reminder for people who maybe are in our community and who hold the older generation or really anyone to this standard that everyone should know what to say and how to say it and is going to get our pronouns right, right away. And all these things, like it's so new, like give them a minute. And it's the same thing with like somebody who's coming out. And I'm not saying like every parent is going to come around or every friend is going to come around to the fact that you're gay or any sort of like identity that you're coming out as, but it can be helpful to give them a bit of slack and allow them some time to kind of come around to it and learn how to speak the language or how to refer to you or know what to say. Right. It's new. Yeah. And it's great, but it's just new. It is. Yeah. She tells this hilarious story about the person on the L Word set that walks by and she's like just this beautiful black woman with like braids down her back. And, you know, she stops and she was talking to me and she's like, oh, my God, it's so great to meet you. Was asking about her kids and then said, I can't wait to be a dad. And Rosie was like, I didn't really know what to say in that moment other than like, yeah, parenthood is really wonderful. Which is the like a good a thing lie. to say. Just kidding. <laughs> I lied. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was a good anecdote, like story-wise. But let's do a personal update, shall we? Okay. All right. So we've been married for how many months? Eight months almost? No. For in between eight and nine. Ooh. When this podcast comes out, it will be nine, nine months. months. Yeah. Happy nine-month anniversary. Thank you. You too. I'm so glad we did that. It was such a like whirlwind. That it almost takes nine months to be like, oh, shoot, I'm married to a yeah. girl. Yeah. I'm happy I'm married to you almost every day. So no no regrets? No regrets. That's great. There was one in there at one point, but it was just like I was really mad. And it was just like in the heat of the moment, I had one little fleeting thought. You're like, ah, why? But then you got over it? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely, I feel, and maybe this is just because like wedding planning's over, but we come out less, like there's less disclosure, I think. Maybe there's less pressure to disclose or people just figure it out. Or you're like, maybe they don't know who we are. Like when we went sheep, we went to the sheep farm. We we're like, I think maybe they think we're cousins. I don't yeah. know. I'm not going to talk about it because I don't want to confuse them. We're in, like a sheep farm in Airdrie. But uh, it still happens sometimes. And I think that's just until this younger generation, this tween age, then you don't have to come out generation is full adult and in charge, I think there's still going to be some coming out. It happened today when I called the jeweler for you to pick up my necklace that was getting repaired. And so I had to call them and be like, hey, my partner is coming to pick up my necklace. And I feel like when you're in customer service and someone uses the word partner and not husband, you obviously ask what kind of business they own. (laughs) Are are you a lawyer? (laughs) Sorry. No, when someone uses the word partner, I feel like it's a safe assumption. They may be in a same sex relationship. Like, that's why I use that word is it's like 
hey, I'm not, I'm going to try to avoid you being in a very uncomfortable situation by like sort of laying this out there without having to, I don't like the word wife. I just, I'm not going to use it. I don't like it, but I use the word partner. And so I said that, and you know, my partner is going to come pick up my necklace. And the woman on the phone was like, Hey, what's his name? I was like, God damn it. You didn't pick up on the hint. (laughs) So I said, her name is Alex Parker and was kind of waiting for like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Which is usually what happens in that situation. Nothing just like she then said, okay, what time will he be in? I was like, Oh, she will be in Seriously? in the next hour. Because when I got there, she said, she referred to me as sir. Yeah. I'm Just telling <laughs> Oh, did she? I wouldn't be surprised. No, no. When they called to like verify that you could pick it up, I was certain it was because they didn't think that you were, they, someone wrote down the word like husband or something. <laughs> so like, anyways, I corrected her twice and then we got up the phone. She never apologized. And I didn't really know if she understood that a woman was coming to pick it up. But I was like, I don't know they'll figure it out when you show up with an ID that says Alexandra Parker. She's like, I don't know. She said Alex. I don't know. There was that one time somebody, I gave them my ID to write on our like ID card so that we could get around the area. This was at in Jasper last year. And they had my name on my ID and they copied it out as Alexander. Oh, I remember (sighs) that. I remember that. Yeah, it was for the fitness spa facility. Yeah, I was like, what? I'm... I guess, I guess I kind of look male, but also like, did you see that it says Alexandra? Did you change it as a joke? (laughs) Can you not read? Yeah, it's annoying. It still happens. I still hate being called miss. That happens like, like, like customer service calls, like FedEx, StubHub. You always get on the phone with like a foreign person. And I feel like whoever's doing the training on this is like, Hey, if it's a female, you have to call them miss. And they just do it over and yeah, over and over do. again. So much. So like, I already find that word to but be they a have bit, your name there. Just use the name. I know. Or just don't, you don't have to use the name or miss just yeah. say the sentence and then period. Yeah. You don't have to put a word in there, but I find it so like patronizing to begin with. And then when you use it over and over and over again, it becomes even more patronizing. And so it's like, I cannot control my frustration on those phone calls. I can't. What if you started out the phone calls with like, hey, can you just not use the word miss? I could. I'll do that next time. Yeah, and see how it goes. I think that's like the, so talking about gender identity and kind of how it's sort of on a, a spectrum. Like I'm definitely, I think, I don't know, maybe I'll change my mind at a later date, but I identify as a female, but I don't like, there's a limit. I don't like to be over-gendered. I don't like a lot of like feminine niceties. Miss, madam, anything like that. I don't really think many, like my mom says the same thing. She doesn't like being called miss or missus. Oh, yeah. Do you prefer to have to like kind of come out and deal with this? Or is it better than being asked out by a guy? Because that was brutal. There was nothing, like as a a young adult or a kid. As a young gay female who was very much in the closet. Nothing scarier. But not so far in the closet that they actually wanted to go on a date with a male. But you did have a lot of male friends. Yeah. And you thought like probably they're friends with me because I'm good at sports. They like hanging out. And then you realize one of them has a crush yeah, on you. Yeah, you do start realizing that. And then it doesn't help when your mom's like, hey, I think that person, that guy has a crush on you. And you're like, oh, God, oh, God. Yeah, there's nothing scarier than finding out that a boy has a crush on you. Yeah. That, and then you begin the game of avoidance, which is <laughs> yeah. like a chess game. You know, there's someone who you had totally normal and frequent platonic interactions with that now the game is to avoid them at all costs especially avoid being alone. Yes. It's like, oh, do you have any plans on, you know, Saturday? Yeah, I will get back to you on that. And then you never do. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's like, it just makes you feel like a bad person. I know, but really you're like, I'm not a bad person. I just like girls. Yeah. And you're not a girl. You're a great person too, but like, you have the wrong equipment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, those were tough times. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know what else is left on your list, but one last thing 
was something that happened on Instagram. Oh, yeah. The next thing is the questions, and we'll go through those really quickly. But so a couple weeks ago, James Smith, who is a pretty popular PT kind of nutrition expert from the UK, although I believe he's actually Australian, posted, and I like him. I generally appreciate his messaging. He's a very like, no bullshit, just gets right to it. Science-based. I find him to be like pretty empathetic to people. And he put out this video that was apparently like a training guide or template for non-binary people. And the video was appalling. Like it started with basically, are you non-binary or did you wake up and not know what gender you are? It was really kind of like being unkind and ignorant to that group of people. Yeah, like he made fun of the pronouns like Z, Zim, Zem. It was, I thought, really tasteless for him. And so then, you know, I had a conversation with a friend about it who also is in the industry and follows him. And I was like, I don't know if he like... (laughs) if he thinks that's funny or if it's like coming from a place of ignorance. And I think it's probably more ignorance than anything, but like what it did was opened up the comment section to some really horrible dialogue, just making fun of people who are non-binary, who are in like the number of people who confuse trans and non-binary is concerning There's a lot of people who just jumped straight to trans hate, skipped right over the non-binary part. And I just thought that was really disappointing to see. And so I went and I commented, just I put a comment that said, like, I I think I appreciate what you're trying to do here, which is to provide a service for non-binary individuals. I didn't think he was actually providing a service. I thought his point was that he was saying that a male and a female approach is not different. It's no different. But I basically said, I appreciate what you're trying to do here, but there was a better way to do it. I said, part of creating a safe space is not using like hate language and something else. And there's, of course, a few people who came on and basically said, go fuck yourself. You can take your feelings and leave. I had a couple of responses back that were very articulate. And then somebody messaged me, like DM'd and was like, I just want to tell you that it was really impactful to see your comment on that post. I thought it was really disappointing. And I think on one of them, I said, if a non-binary person or trans person or someone who's discriminated against reads this and feels better, then it will be worth having made the comment. Yeah, there were a lot of comments. It was definitely like polarizing the post. And that is an indication that the post probably wasn't a good call. (laughs) Yeah. At least in my opinion. But yeah, there were, as soon as you get, yeah, you get people who are like, oh, dang, like somebody's making fun of these people. I'm going to jump on the horse too. That's, yeah, that was telling. And so like whether or not the post, I don't know what the intention was. I don't know how to figure that out. But yeah, like someone would say like, hey, like, why are you making fun of non-binary? And he, he kept responding like, I'm not, I'm providing them a free service. But he didn't really say like at all, like, oh, I didn't realize that I was making fun of them. Like this was my intention. But no, was- he did. He like doubled down and he put up some stories that day and was basically like, look, like, I, I understand. I, to be honest, I completely, I unfollowed him. He I said, was like, I can, we're done here. I can understand being trans. Like, you know, you, you identify your biological male, but you identify as a female. I can understand identifying as a male. He's like, but not being to, not being able to identify with any gender is just dumb. It doesn't make any sense. Like just pick one and kind of, you know, was speaking down to that group. And there's a lot of research and a lot, there's a long storied history of non-binary people in, especially indigenous cultures it didn't come from nowhere. So anyways, there's a lot of learning to be done there. I'm sure he won't do it. He's basically like, well, if a non-binary person wants to come on my podcast and talk about it, then they can. And that was where he left off. And I was like, God damn, like that's disgusting. It's icky, especially for someone who I thought was better than that. And apparently isn't, or at least doesn't mind saying ignorant shit to get clicks, which is I'm sure mostly what that was. Hmm. I'm sure that it was mostly clickbait. I think it just bothered me. It just really bothered me. It just, it's unnecessary. It's, it was, yeah, 100% unnecessary. You can just say, hey, men and women's training should be mostly the same. Okay. Yeah. End of story. Don't need to drag a, an already discriminated against group into it to make a joke, make fun of them and get your point across. It was in poor taste. Okay. We have a few questions that were submitted. We'll go through them quickly-ish. The first one, which I thought was an interesting question is... 
Did either of you worry about being seen as less feminine as you came out? I certainly didn't. I mean, back to the concern about being asked out by one of my male friends, I think it was more of a relief. It was like, oh, yeah, I think it like now I can be less feminine and I can just deal with less from men. That's what I was going to say. A lot of people were like, oh, I think the question was like, how are you straight and so not feminine? Like that was the curious thing. And so I think it, it made a lot of sense to me and I think other people. But then also I had to worry less about like bullshit comments and dick pics in my DMs from men when Were I came out. you getting a lot day. of dick pics before you came out? I got a few. Okay. And just like gross Actually, comments. Actually, so did I, but I'm yeah. like, yeah. It's just like, really? Like Erase you, that from my memory. You go to like open the DM and it's like, this picture is blurred, but you can kind of tell it's a <laughs> dick. Yeah, it's like skin color. Yeah, you're like, oh, I, I really shouldn't open this. And then you do and you're like, God, it was a dick. <laughs> So men are so gross. Like, why do they think women want to see that anyway? They know. don't. I just, it's been so long. I just, I'm like, do they, do that, does that still even happen? I don't even want to talk about it. Let's just say it was all for the best. It was. Yeah. L- fewer broken hearts. Um, <laughs> well, there okay. might still be some out there. Yeah. And maybe they just, they play for our team. Before I cut my hair, maybe. Normalize queers not enjoying pride events. I think that's actually pretty normal. I think it depends on also the pride event. I mean, I thought- you have to go back to our, I, it's coming back to me now, what we talked about on our last pride podcast, yeah. which was like how pride is kind of being, and I don't want to get into it, Meredith, but pride is kind of being taken over by oh, the corporate world. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a lot of like, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that because they're children. And I get it. I get it. I get it. But it's also like, I don't know. It's complicated, but it I think is. it's like your feelings are valid. Yeah, if, if you, you don't, don't want to go, go to Pride, don't. Yeah, it's frustrating, especially uh, now. I can definitely see that when, like, I think a lot of people participate in their yearly Pride event. They go to the parade, they do whatever at their job, and they're like, I'm pro gay. I support LGBTQ. I'm wearing my rainbow shirt, whatever it is. And it abdicates them from responsibility for the political landscape. So I'm like, it's frustrating in the backdrop of what's going on. Like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about pride this year. Probably not very good. But with that said, I think it is an important opportunity to look back at the fight for equality that has happened. And maybe, you know, you don't want to go to a pride event. Totally fine. Spend some time reading a book like Victory or, you know, other books on the history of pride and where it came from and the struggle that is LGBTQ rights. Okay. Do we only have gay friends? No. I have two straight friends. No, I have four. Yeah. I have four straight friends. We don't distinctly seek out gay friends. We do happen to have more gay friends than straight friends. But I think the general trend I don't actually think that's true. I think the slight... It goes to the gays slightly. Just like... Just ever so slightly, we have a higher percentage of gay friends. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, we don't need to do the math right now. That's what I think. Most of our friends don't have kids, though. That's the trend. Okay. Being gay in athletics. That was the question. So I'll just fill in the blank. Is awesome. <laughs> someone else <laughs> Is asked. Is there another like, way to be gay? Well, I think that's. Yeah. And then someone else asked, like, what about dating people on your athletic team? And I'm like, but again sexual scarcity is a thing like you're working with 10 percent of the population here okay like and at least as far as females go there is a larger percentage of gay women in sports so it's very likely that you will end up dating someone on your team or on another team or at least like another athlete yeah you know people always ask the question well what if it doesn't work out i'm sure this person is asking that exact question right now i'm sure they are and what i say to that is but what if it does But what if it does at a professional level? So I was reading an article on this Washington Post about queerness in athletics and why it's so important. And they were talking about the sort of the complications of because it is a workplace. Like when you're not competing at a recreational level, it is a workplace relationship. And so those always come with some concerns. And I don't think that magically goes away when you're an athlete. So I think that if you're a professional athlete, you should tread lightly and make sure that you're not frivolously entering relationships with all of the other gays on the team just because you can. So I think that's good advice. I think so. 
How do we feel about the U.S. passing anti-trans laws? I feel like we've already talked about this, but I will point you to a very useful resource, and that is on the ACLU website. There's a map called Mapping Attacks on the state level, and it shows each individual state of the 50 states in the U.S., how many anti-gay and trans bills are currently in the House or in the Senate to be considered as for laws. And not all of them will pass. That's not like that's not what happens. But if you had to take a guess, Alex, as to how many bills are in the U.S., all 50 states, how many bills are currently in the House or Senate that are anti-LGBTQ trans bills? How many? Is it triple digits? It is triple digits. Ugh. I'm going to say 250. That's not even close. It's 482. Oh. 482 bills currently up for, yeah, legislation. And I mean, unsurprisingly, when you look at the map, which is done up as a heat map, so like the darker the color, the more bills there are in the state. And so like unsurprisingly, as you move towards the southeast, it gets really dark and Florida is black. So yeah, go check it out if you want to learn more about the bills that are currently in consideration and what they are and basically who you need to contact to voice your opinion on them. Thanks. That's helpful. Yeah, I thought so. The next one was dating advice as gay women. All right. Alex is the pro. I'm the pro. Number one, don't discriminate against bad texters. Was I a bad texter? No, you weren't. You were. But I don't, you cannot get a feel for someone based on text or like DMing. No. So you, it's like, my advice is if you're like on Tinder or something, just meet up with that person as soon as possible. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just wasting your time. And if they won't meet up with you, like after like a day or two, or I don't even know, like, don't like just be talking to someone for two weeks. That's a waste of time. I went on a date with someone who was great at texting, awful in person. And I was just like, man, I would have known right away. Yeah. And also make sure your dates are really short and there's a way to cut them short. Don't go out for meals. That's really advice for everyone. Yeah. Because then you get stuck and that can be bad. Yeah. But I would say like, honestly... Meredith, I think that this one is probably better for you because you found me, but also don't discriminate across borders. Well, clearly not. Like, go, go big. Go like, big. Open I mean, up globally. Look, like, like Meredith said, there's you're working with a small percentage. 10%. You and have like, some like sexual scarcity happening here. Yeah. You have to play the field. And I'm talking like the field, like all of the world, the yeah. field. Look, like Instagram is basically like the lesbian equivalent of like a Christmas paper catalog. You pick out <laughs> what you like and then you go try it on, right? That's what I did. I picked you out on Instagram. I had met you in person. I thought you were okay. And then I stopped no, you on you Instagram. You found me on Instagram first. I did Okay, you're getting confused now. Yeah, you're right. I found you on Instagram. I picked you out like my Christmas wrapping paper for the year. And I was like, this could be the one. This could be the one. And then ironically, you were. So I don't think it works that way for most people, but use Instagram. I don't know. I mean, I don't have very good advice. It worked out one time for me. There's some sort of social experiment going on Instagram right now. And had it not just come to me, I would have done the research to make sure I got the details right. But it is apparently a way for singles to identify one another. So like single and like interested in dating. And I don't mean like interested in hooking up, but it's you put like a specific emoji in your bio line. And so if you come across someone who has that emoji, you know that they are single and interested. Love and, it. I yeah. love it. So it allows you to use Instagram as like a dating app. Yeah. Which I think is really great. Because it's not as like, you don't get to be as picky with the stuff that goes on Instagram as you are on Tinder with like, you know, curating your best photos. You know, if you're a gay woman of all of your canoe trips and your camping trips with your dog. And Subaru. The photos, the before and after of you getting your hair cut, like from long to short. Yeah. Transformation Tuesday. So on that line of thought, breakup advice. Ugh. 
like how to do it or how to like move forward after maybe both okay and this again goes for everyone in any relationship whether it's platonic whether it's like and i'm gonna just put this out there coach client relationship don't ghost don't ghost say it one more time don't effing ghost people stop doing that it's so effing rude it's so rude don't ghost send a text at the very least okay that's the very least that's still pretty rude have a phone call or talk to them in person and be honest that's the best thing to do because otherwise you're just that person's just going to be wondering what happened yeah or maybe it's just for the best and you can actually have a conversation and you can both have closure how do you know when it's time to break up i don't know i mean there's i don't know i think can you even answer that when you know you don't want to be with the person i think when you know you know like when you're envisioning like your life in five years and like that person isn't in it crystal clear that's a sign. Yeah, I think too, there was a therapist that was like, it's fine in couples to like argue, but it, when it gets to the point where you have- When you have, we're holding content. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's called the four horsemen of something. It has to do with relationships ending. And so it gives you all of- If you're like very resentful. Yeah, basically like these four things predict the end of a relationship with like 99% accuracy. Yeah. Like or if you've read the book Attached and you realize you're insecure and you're the person that you're dating is avoidant, that's another good reason to break up. Yeah, I think if like if you have just different life goals or if the person's being mean, like if they're legitimately mean, leave. Like it's and they I, don't you can, say like, "Hey, that was mean," and then they're like, "Yeah, you're right. I'm really sorry." Yeah, or you you work through your shit. Like that's like a, an unwillingness to work through your own personal like bullshit is a pretty good sign that's not going to be a good relationship to be in because yeah, like, like that honeymoon phase wears off, and then you realize like, "Hey, this person's not actually like." really great and they're also not willing to like admit it and work on it yeah every time we go to couples therapy which will only really been a handful of times every time i've asked like you think you're gonna make it they always laugh and they're like yeah the fact that you guys are both here yeah there's like a like, willingness yeah um, and i'm sure they they don't say that to everyone who no. comes there but it's like we're there to make something better not because it's falling apart right Go yes. I think it's hard no matter what, especially if you're not sure and you're in that situation where you're like, it's just not a great relationship. The person isn't treating me really well. I like who they are when they are their best selves, but I don't like who they are when they're their worst selves. That's really, it's a really hard situation to be in. And but I then think there's also couples who probably go through like rough patches that can be like long and they make it through those. It's like, it also, you have to probably, again, I'm speaking from no experience, but it's like you probably have to recognize the circumstances of your life too. Yeah. Because there's a lot going on and your relationship is not a priority, then like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't jump to conclusions about like whether you should break up. Right. Because it could just be what's going on in their life, your life, your lives together. Yeah. Like maybe you're dealing with something that's just like much more of a priority or very like a very difficult like thing to navigate. That doesn't necessarily mean your relationship is like on the rocks. Yeah. Could just be a bit of a rough patch or no. something you have to work through over time. So I guess like it's, I guess, accept that it's difficult and then probably commit yourself to not jumping right into another relationship right after. Don't do that. Yeah. Getting over breakups. It's just like time. I feel like time heals a lot. I had a really bad one. I think I've probably talked about it. And it was just like, you just take it day by day. Yeah, you and feel eventually like it gets better. You're like, I'm going to die. This is going to Yeah, me. I was I'm like, this die. is what a broken heart feels like. And, and then, then you gonna- ask, you say like, hey, do you want to try one more time? And then when they say no, then you know it's over and you can really move forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But don't leave anything on the table. Yeah, exactly. And if you're the one getting asked if you want to try a second time, trust your instincts. Right. Yeah. That's all the questions. I don't think we helped. That was not helpful. No, I'm so sorry. That was like basically like, yeah, breakups are hard. <laughs> There's our right. useful you, advice. You'll know, you'll know when you know. Yeah. That's our advice. The last question is, yeah, sort of unrelated. I think when I shot this video, like, hey, I'm going to, we're doing this, we're going to accept 
some questions or whatever. I think I must have been sitting in front of this guitar. <laughs> so people were like, whose guitar is that? And it's mine, Meredith. This is Meredith. It's mine. I don't really play it. I can play it. I play a number of instruments, but it maybe we've I've told this story on the podcast, but in 2020 when COVID happened and I thought that our, you know, business was going to go under, I bought myself this Strat because I thought it would be cool to like spend all of my free time learning electric guitar, which is not I'm really more of an acoustic player. And we ended up getting really busy and staying busy we ended and up doing the podcast instead. We did get the podcast going and it ended up being like a really great year for us. And our business has been growing ever since. So I keep the guitar. I can't bring myself to sell it or get rid of it. And I keep it in our office as a reminder to always like stay open-minded and keep working hard. You know what it reminds me of? What? That you buy shit that you don't use. <laughs> Look, like, let that's me have the guitar reminds me let of. Let me have Along the Along with the ukulele that's beside it on the other side of the window. The ukulele I've had for a long time and was also like $80. I don't care. That ukulele came from North Carolina. That is a North Carolina ukulele. Cool. So anyways, let me have the story. Damn it. That's mostly, that's why I haven't sold it. I'm quite sentimental over uh, the time that I bought it. And, and it's because I don't know how much to list it for on Facebook Marketplace. Also that, but I played it the other day for a few chords and I hung it back up. Gosh, that's it. That's all we have. I think regardless of, you know, whether you're gay, non-binary, trans, however you choose to identify, it means a lot that you listen to us talk about this stuff because we're not scholars on it. We're not experts. We just have our lived experience and what we choose to read and learn about in this space. So it means a lot that you value what we have to say. So thanks for listening to this one. Again, we know that these episodes go long. There's still a lot to celebrate. I think even though it's darker times and it was last year and the years before, there's still a lot to be proud of. We've come a long way, but I think this year more than ever is a good reminder that there's still a lot to fight for. And we're kind of in this moment in time where we have to fight for the rights that we currently have. We have to fight to keep them. And we're not the only ones in this situation. Women are in this situation too. And, you know, one of the cool things about being a gay woman feminist is that I think that across the board, I will, and I think I speak for you too, just continue to fight for all human rights. So, yeah. Thank you for listening. Alex, do you have anything else? No. All right. Well, we'll catch you guys on the next one.